What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Friday by my main man, Derek Bell. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or subscribe anywhere you get your podcast today. We've got a great show for you. Alex Highsmith trade talks have hit the market. Are they real? Is there anything that would force the Pittsburgh Steelers to consider a trade of their outside linebacker? We got a bold prediction for the wide receivers we got to dig into. And obviously there is a star-studded, former star-studded, former first-round linebacker who has made waves across the Pittsburgh Steelers news path this week. It's a, it's a cloudy, but it's a good day here in the Berg. It's been a good week here in the Berg. How you feeling, my friend? Feeling good, man. Uh, Friday, ending the week on a high note. Talk some Steelers football. I'm excited about that. I had a pretty productive week. Um, I'm excited to um, finish it off. Finish it off here on the pod. So um, it's it's always nice, you know, when you have those weeks where you get everything you want to get done. And that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling, you know, accomplished. So um, you know, ready for the weekend. Love it, love it. Let me guess that uh, accomplishment included running insane amounts of miles. <laughs> uh well the the gym yeah that, that was a good one i still gotta knock that out today so i'm not fully accomplished yet but yeah just in general i had a list of you know pieces and videos and stuff that i wanted to crank out and you know i, I was able to get all of those done so anytime i can do that I, I feel pretty good so beautiful gotta love it yeah i was on the phone with donnie donnie drew yesterday two days ago and uh before he got off he's like dude have you been paying attention to Derek?" and i'm like no nah. he's like i'm going to the gym right now because this this dude just runs like 40 miles a day I'm like this is why we're this is why we're not friends on on the app. It can't happen. You push me too much. Appreciate you. I, I'm, I'm loving that you're having a productive week. There's plenty of Pittsburgh Steelers to talk about. I guess we'll start with your report. Recently put out a list of three Steelers they believe are top targets or trade candidates. I would say heading into training camp. That list included Zach Gentry, Kevin Dotson and Alex Highsmith, the fourth-year linebacker, is coming off 14-and-a-half sacks in the league and forced fumbles with five. If you look at him and say, at any moment, have you thought Alex Highsmith is on the trading block and this is a possibility, or is this just kind of, you know, spitballing, shooting into the dark, hoping that you catch something? Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where you, you get a good player on the last year of his contract and everybody says, oh, well, they don't want to pay him. They can't pay him. They got to trade him. So uh, I, I'm not saying the Steelers just hang up the phone before like an offer even gets, you know, put out into the air. But I would be really surprised if they seriously consider trading Alex Highsmith. I mean, yeah. I think 2023, we've talked about this a couple of times, but, you know, 2021 was kind of a transition. You know, you got your transition and rebuild years in the last two years for the Steelers, you know, getting a rookie quarterback in there, being retiring. But I think 2023, you know, they're definitely trying to win. Like they're trying to make the playoffs. The Steelers are a lot better team with Alex House within the fold. So I, I don't, I just don't see them trading him. You know, even if contract negotiations go south, you know, say that they aren't able to, you know, work out a long-term deal before the regular season starts. I still think Hasmith is going to play. He's going to play out the final year of his contract. And then once that happens, um, you know, we'll revisit what happens in the in the offseason next year, whether that's the franchise tag, whether, you know, he actually hits free agency, the open market. I just really don't see a scenario where, you know, Highsmith is seriously, seriously, uh, definitely not being shopped, but probably yeah. still not even uh, accepting offers for real, for real. So, yeah, I agree. I don't think I think don't get me wrong. Omar Khan would answer the phone for everybody and talk about a trade possibility with every single person. But 
he's he's made it very clear that you know cutthroat sort of guy in and out of conversations this is what i'm offering is it a good deal no can we work no okay let's move on unless somebody's calling and they're like hey we're gonna give you two first round picks for alex highsmith or this or that i doubt omar khan's letting that conversation last more than 10 seconds to 30 seconds he's gonna move on alex highsmith is a piece you know like at this point He's not Bud Dupree. I think that's the conversation that people want to try to have here. Those that would trade him. I don't think that there's many out there that would. I don't think that the Steelers fan base is sitting around going, "Mm, Alex Highsmith, we should probably get rid of this guy. You look at him. He's not a Bud Dupree. He's already developed. He's already the player that you want him to be opposite of TJ Watt. There's no question marks left. It's just a matter of can you sign this guy to a reasonable deal, which I guess that's where the conversation goes next. You look at him right now, first off, do you expect a deal to get done before training camp? And what do you think? I mean, we've talked about the number before being 14, 15 million. What do you think is the park minimum? What do you think that, you know, if the Steelers look at this and say, because that was part of the, the conversation when it came to Bleacher Report was the Steelers are already six and a half million dollars over the cap next season. You look at Alex Highsmith's deal. Do you think that there's something in there that, you know, you'd say maybe he does take a team-friendly deal and this is the price for it? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, it's awesome because I literally just dropped an Alex Hasmith video on my channel earlier today. So I've already done the video. I've already done the research on this. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I've talked about this at length. But, you know, I really think that the $15 million range is probably the – that's probably the hometown discount, in my opinion, of what could potentially get it done. Um, Anything less than that, man, you're getting into the – you know, the John Franklin Myers uh, type of category, you know, 15 million is also where like Hassan Reddick's deal is uh, that he signed with Philly a a little while ago. So, um, but those guys are designated pass rushers. Alex Hosmith plays every snap. So there's a little bit difference, a difference in the value, in my opinion, between those type of players. Um, You know, 15 million, I think is probably the cheapest that they're going to be able to get him for. I know some people have floated out like 12 to 15. I just, I would be kind of surprised about that. If you look at the other edge rushers that are around the same age, you know, heading into, you know, what we consider the prime of his career, I'd be surprised if it came in earlier, you know, but I do think, you know, it's really a matter of what Hosmith wants to do, right? Does he want to try to cash out? You know, this is his best opportunity to do so, or does he value, you know, maybe taking a little bit less money to stay in Pittsburgh? Because, you know, yeah. Harold Landry uh, for the Titans, you know, got $17.5 million, uh, before last season. You know, Landry and Hosmith are probably pretty comparable rushers. Landry gets a lot of his production off uh, some of the games that they run in Tennessee up front. Hosmith's more of a one-on-one guy. Um, and then really, like, I look at it in terms of if he really, really wants to cash out Bradley Chubb, you know, the Dolphins traded, you know, all that draft capital to get Chubb last season. They gave him a deal that's $110 million, 22 million per season. Um, If you look at the numbers side by side, he's been more productive than Bradley Chubb. So there's a potential that his agents pushing him like, Hey, look, we need to go, you know, tell the Steelers, Hey, look, you're more productive than this guy. This is what the market is. That's what they got to pay up for. I don't think the Steelers are going to go over like that. Tw- definitely not over that 20 million mark. I would be no. surprised if that happened, but you know, he's, he's got some good, uh, he's got some good leverage, man. I mean, edge mark, edge rushers, they get paid. If he hits the open market, he's going to get a bag, a bag. Yeah, I agree with that one. I like this comment here. I don't think that the Steelers can afford to pay him what he deserves. I think that's huge because I don't think that the Steelers could afford to pay him what he deserves because I think, just like you said, like if he hit the open market, 
Alex Highsmith is going to get paid, I mean, almost double what he would get paid in Pittsburgh. Because I think that the Steelers are going to look at this and they're going to start somewhere around like 12, maybe 11 million. Spotrax got his market value at four years or 55.6 million dollars which isn't even 12 million dollars a season that's i mean if that's what they're working with if that's what he ends up getting he could get 20 plus steal that's a steal but do you think that's even a possibility like do you think that the steelers could come to this kid with a hometown offer and he'd take it because you know I, i think that he is very successful in pittsburgh and the grass is not always greener and bud dupree is a good example of that along with a lot of other players on top of the Pittsburgh Steelers being a young team with a lot of talent right now, like this is, if you're looking at the life cycle of the NFL, this is a good one to be on, to be on. Do you take that over the money? You know, do you think that's, you know, knowing what we know about Alex Highsmith right now, do you think that's, you know, a real conversation you'd have? Do you think that he'd talk about going to get the bag? Yeah. I mean, just looking at their cap situation next season, you know, looking at over the cap, 13 and a half million under, the salary cap for next season they've got 46 47 players signed um you know you've you've got restriction options uh for Fitzpatrick and Watt that could save you you know close to 20 million you know Mm -hmm. the first year of his deal is probably going to be the lowest cap hit number just how NFL contracts are typically structured especially with the Steelers um you know Cam Hayward in 2024 assuming you know this isn't his last year and he doesn't just up and retire or anything like that that's also the 2024 is the last year of his deal. So when Highsmith would get expensive is when Hayward would be off the books. So if you really are intent about paying, you know, three defensive players, big money, you could make those three players, Fitzpatrick, Watt and Highsmith. You know, if you see Highsmith as that type of foundational piece and you really think that he's that important, um, I definitely think that there is a potential for, for him to stay in terms of a hometown discount, man. I, I think it's impossible to gauge that, you know, cause players, yeah. You know, players have to say the right things publicly. You know, Alex has came out yeah, and said, yeah. you know, he he wants to stay in Pittsburgh, and I have no doubt that he does. I mean, I'm sure you develop relationships. You don't want to up and move your family, yeah. things like that. But at the same time, he's in line for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know, how many people, um, not just in football, but just in life, are able to, you know, secure generational wealth with your next contract? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's this is a big decision. And yeah, 12 to 15 million, there's there's a big difference between those two numbers. Um, But, you know, they're putting their bodies on the line and, you know, you got to really try to maximize your athletic lifespan. And I think that that's, you know, I can't fault anybody for doing that, you know. So I don't know. We'll have to see. I think that the negotiations uh, will definitely go all the way up until the regular season. I would just personally, personally, I would be really, really surprised if he signed for something less than like right at that 15 million mark before the season starts. I just, because I think he's leaving so much money on the table. And even though I personally, I like Alex Hasmuth, I think he's a very, very good player. I would be a little bit apprehensive about paying him in that $20 million mark. I think that if he has another productive season, like I think he's going to have provided he's healthy when he hits the open market next season and the Steelers don't franchise tag him, he's going to get to that $20 million mark with another productive season. So I would be very, very apprehensive about signing some type of four-year deal for $12 million per year or anything like that. That's that people are kind of suggesting right now on social media. 
No, I agree. I agree. And I do want to make it clear that I'm all for, I'm always for this, for players getting the bag all, every yeah. single time. You Same. know what I mean? Like if it's, if, if the decision is to stay in with the Steelers and take this much money or go to free agency and get this much money, go to free agency, you know, yeah. get the, get the bag, man. You deserve it. You what? just knowing the work that these guys put into it, go get the bag. It's always deserved. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I, I think that you look at this entire situation and it's just like, what's the, what's the worst case scenario for the Steelers is to, to get a deal done is if they don't get a deal done this season, do you think that there's even a possibility that could get a deal done next year? Cause that, the, at that point, like you're that line is thin. That ice is as thin as it gets for the Steelers. And you know, that Alex Highsmith's agent is not going to be sitting there going, yeah, we should negotiate with Pittsburgh first and potentially yeah. take less money. If you're on the line of free agency, you're going to free agency. Yeah. It's really tough. I mean, of course, you always do have the fallback option of the of the fr- uh, franchise tag, but you know the franchise yeah, tags. Yeah. That's a pretty pretty penny, man. And and Highsmith would have to have he would kind of have to take his game to a whole different level this season. You know, we yeah. saw him take a big jump last year, but he'd have to go up another level to really be considered in that type of tier, in my opinion. Uh, but like like I said, man, guys that hit the open market. I mean, they just they, they get paid more. That's the yeah. thing about free agency and really how the NFL works in general. You feel your needs, you know, through free agency, you draft players for talent. And that's yeah. that's kind of the way for, you know, to have success at this level. So, you know, teams are going to go into the offseason next year with pass rushing needs. They're going to need guys that can get after the passer and create pressure on quarterbacks. And Hasmus is going to be one of the best available options, if not the best available option. So, yeah, I agree. Well, you know. unless, you know, maybe Chase Young's out there. You never know. You yeah. never know. Never know. You would you sign if you were another team before we talk about the wide receivers. If you were another team, you're sitting there, you need an edge rusher. Chase Claypool or Chase Young, Alex Highsmith, they're on the market. They're both going for the same price. Who you signing? I would take Highsmith right now until until I saw Young be healthy. I, I need to see him um, you know, bounce back and stay healthy. I think Young's a really good player, and I actually think that he could potentially have a really big season this year with Washington because I think it's – I think he's mostly back. But when I was watching his film, you know, a couple a month or so ago, um, I did see him kind of holding back a little bit on that, on that knee. So mm-hmm. – and usually, you know, it does take a full season of, you know, working out and getting used to, you know, trusting that leg again. So – I think Young's a fantastic player. He's one of the best edge rusher prospects I feel like that I've watched in the last, you know, five, six, seven years. But yes, it's been unfortunate. You know, that really big injury uh, kind of zapped some of his momentum that he had coming off that really, really productive rookie season of his. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going Alex Highsmith as of right I'm now. I'm going Alex Highsmith, though. I like that. As of like right now. Answer. As of right now. I like that answer. All right. Let's talk some uh, wide receivers here. Arthur Motes came out with a pretty, uh, Pretty big prediction about the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver core. He obviously says that Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are going to be wide receiver one and wide receiver two. But that wide receiver three, I think many assume, is going to be Allen Robinson at the start of the season. He'll start in the slot. Most thinks it'll be differently. Quote, we know, and this comes from the Arthur Motes experience with him and Deke. If you haven't checked it out, go check it out. We all know two of these dudes already, Pickens and Deontay. Calvin's the third. That's how I look at it. Allen Robinson is already like one of these two. Calvin is different than these two. I'm talking just personnel-wise, coaching-wise. 
If I want to call something crazy on a passing situation, I want that Calvin Austin out there without Allen Robinson personally. That's what that's what Mode says. Do you think that, uh, I mean, it makes some sense. You know, you're looking at who George Pickens is. You're looking at who Deontay Johnson is. I don't think you could match Calvin Austin with anybody. I don't think you could compare Calvin Austin to anybody on an NFL field and say, oh, this is pretty much the same guy as that. So he does bring that different level of play. You think that there's some uh, some ground behind that? You think there's a possibility Calvin Austin finds his way into that starting slot role over Allen Robinson? Man, I would be kind of surprised if that's how it played out week one. I mean, if we're talking about is Calvin Austin going to out-snap Allen Robinson, I personally would be surprised about that. Um, and just for a couple of reasons, I do see where Moats um, – I, I didn't watch the video, but I, I see where he could potentially be coming from, right? You yeah. get the um, – you know, you get the speed element with Austin. You know, Austin's a completely different skill set type. You know, he's that um, hyper-elusive – agile speedster um really small build um good after the catch and then you've got robinson who's you know more of a bigger body possession kind of high point threat uh veteran savvy route runner things like that so i think that those guys are completely different and i see what he's coming from in terms of you know the steelers didn't create a lot of explosive plays on offense last year so getting calvin austin in the mix because he has the speed and that breakaway potential to just literally get in the lineup and pop a pop a big play as soon as he touches the ball. But I don't think that that's going to play out in terms of if he's going to out snap Allen Robinson, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe Calvin is healthy through, um, you know, preseason and training camp. And he just, he's, um, you know, it happens like every year. I feel like you get a player in the summer who almost forces the team to play them. You know, Jalen Warren was like this last year. He was so good. He went from being, you know, not thought of at all to a relatively big part of the Steelers offense as the running back too. Maybe Calvin does that. I just, I would be kind of surprised if he out snapped uh, Allen Robinson early on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that it fits well, but I think that the Steelers offense isn't going to be like a snap based anything, you know, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens will obviously take more snaps than most people, but I think the rest of that group, if it's Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin, I would imagine Pat Fryermuth and Connor Hayward work their way in there as well. Maybe some Jalen Warren. I think all that's just going to be a blend. You know, it'll be a who's who's the best option right now. Who could we use in this play? Who could we use in that play? The Steelers are not a home run hitting type of team right now. And until proven otherwise, I'm not going to look at them as a team that's throwing the ball 60 yards down the field. Calvin Austin is going to work well within the mix. Allen Robinson is going to work well within the mix. There's a lot of people talking about the veteran presence. I think that helps as well. But I think that Deontay at this point is a veteran. You know, he's he's a leader of that room. And that's not going to change. But I do think that Allen Robinson does help that just consistent catch situation. You know what I mean? Like, that's a very reliable pair of hands for Kenny Pickett to have. But do I think that, yeah, week one, I think I'm with you. Like, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at Allen Robinson just because Allen Robinson came in here as a starter. And unless he loses that job... You know what I mean? Calvin Austin's not going to take it away from him. Do you think there's a point where that change? I, I feel like at some point that does change, that that hand will change to Calvin, if not this season, next season. Do you think that that's, you know, in motion for midseason, late in the season to where this, the offense will evolve more to there? I mean, it, it could potentially it it could potentially come to that. I think it, it's all about what A-Rob has left in the tank. 
I yeah. think just based on the little bit of, you know, tape that I watched last year, you know, I watched probably three to four full games. I think that Robinson has lost a step, but his game really isn't predicated on speed. And I actually think a move to the slot for him, maybe even full time is a yeah. good thing at this point of his career. He can really help you. Um, there, there's one play in particular that I keep coming back to um, from last season that I saw, but um, Robinson is running. He's on the left side of the field, and he's running what, what the Shanahan-McVay offense calls a um, a swirl route, which is a seven yeah. stop, and the defense is in cover three. Robinson, you know, runs, you know, his seven stop, and the defender's right in front of him, and they're playing zone coverage, and he has the veteran savvy to shift away from the coverage and make himself available for Matt Stafford. And I think that that's like the big key, especially if you're working in the slot, you have to be able to read multiple defenders. You have to be able to get yourself open and find that void in in the coverage and not saying that Calvin can't do that. It's just being an NFL receiver for however many years, a Rod's been in the league and playing at that high level where he was a number one guy. He understands how to make himself quarterback friendly. And that Mm -hmm. was the thing that I kept coming back to with Robinson's tape. Excellent with the ball in the air. He's always had fantastic hands. He's a detailed route runner, understands how to read multiple defenders in zone coverage. So, like I said, I think that Austin would have to prove that he can do some of those same things, at least at a comparable level, while also adding that speed element in order to, you know, kind of overtake him. Now, next year is a completely different thing. You know, A-Rob, I don't think he's on this team next year just because of his cap hit is just enormous they would have to really work out some magic um on on the cap situation but um i think that calvin can play a good a good part in this offense i just don't know that he's going to be the guy that's going to go out there and play 80 percent of the snaps i I just i would personally be surprised if that happened no i agree and i like your point there about how Allen robinson is just like i said a reliable pair a veteran presence for kenny pitt which is huge that's the bit that's the most important thing this offseason for anything with the pittsburgh steelers is to protect kenny pickett at all costs in his succession. And Allen Robinson plays a big pull in that. I like that. I like that. And you think, you know, at this point, Austin's, like I said, he's going to be involved. Everybody's going to be involved. Um, I want to get to some questions here. Calvin Austin has a kick punt returner. We'll start with that one. You think that's the, uh, that's a lock at this point. First off, do you think that the Steelers are going to, no matter, let's put an over under on it. Starting lineup, preseason games, three of them. Kick returns by the number one kick and punt returner, or I guess kick returner on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Over under amount of returns, three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. It's gonna be weird with the rule changes, weird. right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure how how important that's gonna be. I'm interested to see how that plays out. I do think that Calvin is going to have every he's going to be given every chance to win the the kick returner and punt returner jobs um in terms of kick returns i have i think i'm more i think i believe that he's definitely going to win that job uh you know calvin only returned i think it was 20 25 or 28 29 kicks in college uh but he took two of them to the house so um per pro pro, per pro football focus he also muffed a couple so that's definitely something to keep an eye on uh like we talked about last year with gunner i mean everyone was really excited about him returning kicks and then he goes and muffs a couple and then (laughs) was like yep you're on the bench that's the one way to you know lose your job as a special teamer you can't you can't turn the ball over so yeah um i definitely think austin has the explosiveness to do it 
in training camp and stuff, he's definitely going to have every opportunity to win that job. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think any of us really are too enthusiastic about putting Gunner back there. So no. I think that that's who do you uh, think would be the backup? Who do you think that would be the real? Because I don't think Gunner's going to make the roster. Who do you think? Who do you think well, would be? I know they're going to give Farland. Well, I know that Jordan Bird will get a chance. Oh, Jordan Bird will have an opportunity. McFarland, too. That's a McFarland good one. will be in the kick return mix. I'm not sure about returning punts. Yeah, me too. I agree with that one. Jordan Bird's a good one. That's a sleeper right there. That's a sleeper. Jordan, Jordan can move. Move. He's he shifty. Really move. He's working with Calvin Austin, which I think is huge. I like Jordan. I think he's good. He was he was uh, rather quiet at the end of minicamp, but I think that starts a training camp. You know what I mean? Like you let you put pads on, and it's no longer just like wrap up, and you see how shifty he could possibly be. I think that's when. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Jordan Bird. He'd have to beat out Miles Boykin, Gunner, Des Fitzpatrick, maybe just to earn that it's- final one. Yeah, Ryan, it's, it's tough to make the it's tough to make the roster, man, as a specialist only, you know, and that's that's basically what Jordan would be doing. But I think, like we say, every every summer we see that one guy just come out of nowhere and, you know, force the Steelers to keep him or to play him. And, you know, yep. Jordan's going to have the opportunity to do that. He's definitely going to get a lot of work on special teams. Yeah, no doubt. Steven Sims did it last year. You know, he was not a he was not a player that was going to make this roster. Played a big part in that roster by the end of the season. All right, let's answer a quick question here before we uh, before we move on to some linebacker talk. Uh, do you think how well do you think the O line is going to protect Kenny Pickett? What's your expectations as of this point for good old front five in front of KP eight? Uh, I mean, I think the Steelers' offensive line will be a slightly above average unit league wide, I think, which is definitely a significant step up from where it's been in years past. So I'm excited about that, particularly interior, man. I think that the interior is really solid. Uh, Really like Daniels, really like Sam Malo. Both of those guys were on my top 10 list, you know, between both of them, they allowed one sack last year. So that's Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty good stuff right there. I think uh, both of those guys are functional in pass protection. The only thing is like, you know, Sam Ollis just has to stay healthy. He's had some issues staying healthy over the course of his career, but if he's healthy in the lineup, they're they're really, really good at guard. Yeah. Uh, Mason Cole was okay in pass protection. I do think that he has some limitations, but, you know, he's solid. I think the big thing is just not having that huge black hole of a void for defensive coordinators to just attack over and over and over, which is basically what they did to Kendrick Green two years ago. Yes. And Cole's not going to do that. And I'm excited to see, you know, how – well, Cole plays this upcoming season if he's actually fully healthy because I know he was battling some injuries last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chooks is what he is. I mean, he's a good athlete. Gets out of his stance <laughs> quick. He's he's a good he's a he's a good solid pass protector. Uh, he just yeah. gives you nothing in the run game. Left tackle is obviously going to be the one to watch. I think that Broderick Jones is going to be the guy uh, sooner rather than later. I do think that Broderick's going to have some growing pains though, at least early on. Do you think that they're okay? How do you view the line if Dan Moore starts? You feel that that's because there. I remember last year, maybe two years ago, me and you had the conversation where, wow, we've been doing the show a long time, Mm-mm. but me and you have had the conversation of Dan Moore could be the fifth best offensive lineman on your team. And at some point you need a fifth best offensive lineman. So do you feel, you feel, how do you yeah, feel about that? It, it's really tough. I think that Moore is a, He's a nice swing tackle option that you mm-hmm. would feel comfortable with, you know, if he had to step in due to injuries or something like that. But yeah. I, I think that he's a very, very low tier starting option just at this point of his career, just because I still think that he's got some struggles with his anchor 
that I'm not sure are ever going to really be uh, completely fixed. And what I mean by that is, you know, Moore's hand placement can sometimes get him in trouble. It's actually similar to Broderick. But the difference between those two guys is Dan can have his hands wide and let somebody get into his chest and he the reps over. He loses. Yeah. If he's not perfect with his hands, he loses. Broderick is different because Broderick can have his hands wide and still recover because he's so freaking strong and he's yeah. such so athletic. So there's a difference there. Recovery ability at every position is huge at the NFL level because you're not always going to be able to be technically sound, technically savvy, and win every rep. Just picture perfect. That's not how it works. So you have to be able to recover. Broderick has a lot of hand stuff and a lot of technical refinement that he needs to work on. But he's so athletic that he's still going to get away with some stuff. Not nearly as much as he got away with in college, but he will over the course of time. You'll see that kind of really flash. All right. I like that. I like that. This is uh, another one here. Does Hakeem Butler make the roster? We didn't even mention him when talking about Jordan Bird. Man, that that one's tough. I mean, you have have your wide receiver overview dropping this weekend. You got got him in the uh, fighting fighting for a roster spot over yeah i that, that was tough man i think you know just at the end of the roster you're always talking about special teams impact this is hakeem going to be able to impact the game on special teams because you know we've already got i mean we've already got locks in terms of pickens and johnson yeah and calvin and, and and um deontay excuse me yeah but those top three are locks and then you know you get into i think the calvin austins of the world the miles boinkins Those guys are probably pushing for playing time. They have a better path to the roster because of their special teams value too. Boykin's a a really excellent gunner. Um, Austin's probably going to be the, be the return man for the Steelers. Is Butler going to be able to push for a roster spot? If he doesn't contribute in special teams, he would have to be really, really good at wide receiver. This this, crazy good at wide receiver. Yeah. I agree. I think that the, his best path is to beat out miles Boykin and to show that he could be a gunner as well. But just like you said, like Miles Boykin might have been the Steelers' best special teams guy last year. So that's going to be re- that's a tall task to come in here and try and beat him out, even if he's a fan favorite. You know, like the end of the roster spot guys, they are not fan favorites. They're just really good special teamers. And that's who Miles Boykin is. So it's going to be, I think it's a lot tougher for Hakeem Butler to make this roster than maybe he's being talked about or maybe people want to view it as. But it is. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a challenge. But if it does happen, I mean, it's it's well deserved, and the guy is ginormous. So In, is, injuries uh, happen too. You know, injuries I mean, obviously do we don't we don't want that to happen, but they do happen. No. So injuries, not just for the Steelers, but they'll happen league wide. There'll be positions open. I mean, if Hakeem goes out there and he plays really well, yeah. and you know shows out, even if it's just on offense, he'll find a home on a practice squad at least. Yeah, uh, or somewhere. In Pittsburgh's practice squad. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just gonna be it's just gonna be tough if he doesn't like he's gonna have to be borderline dominant in the summer against these backups uh, in order to really convince them to to keep him. And even if he is, even if he does make it, say say they keep six guys and he's the sixth guy or if the fifth technically receiver, yeah. Boykin would get the helmet over him on game day because yes. of his special teams value. So he might not even be active on game days. He'd be a nice player to have. Um, I'm excited about seeing what Butler looks like because we really haven't seen very much of him. I mean, he did, hasn't played very much ball. So yeah, I I'm excited to see what he looks like. I, I was, uh, I liked watching Butler in college. So I'm yeah, rooting for no, him. I am. I am as well. I'm excited to see him at training camp. I think that's when we, you know, we saw a glimpse of him. He made a, a big play one day over Corey Trice on the sideline during minicamp. But that's, you know, again, a guy like that who's going to be physical in the air, 
you got to put some pads on and see if it's consistent every single day at training camp and fans will get a good look at that once we hit Latrobe. All right, last thing I want to talk about here. There's been a linebacker that's been talked about all week long as a fit for the Pittsburgh Steelers since the Pittsburgh Maulers lost to the Birmingham Stallions in the USFL championship game. That inside linebacker is Ruben Foster. I just want to say this. Look, at I'm not, I, I am. I like to brag a lot, especially on this show. I put out this Steelers should consider signing Ruben Foster piece like three weeks ago. Nobody read it. Nobody cared at all. I got it. I was on vacation. So it was just like a, you know, ha- here having a moment, drinking a pina colada, decided to, re- you know, write an article about Ruben Foster. Now it's the Steelers are signing Ruben Foster. It's a must. And I'm like, well, thank you. I said this weeks ago. <laughs> I have to say that we came on, I came on on Monday, talked to Steven. All I watched was the USFL championship game, a little bit of, a little bit of Ruben Foster, like highlights throughout the year before or when I read that article. I didn't really know if he still had the athleticism that he had coming out of college because his first year in the NFL and his second year in the NFL, you know, the first year was was decent. Second year was rough, and it just seemed to just lose it after that one. I went back and watched a lot of Reuben Foster USFL film as much as I could possibly find over the last week, and uh, the dude's definitely still got it when it comes to athleticism, and I, I think that uh, I think he might fit what the Pittsburgh Steelers are looking for. How do you feel about it? Man, I can't comment too much on USFL stuff because I try to keep my football <laughs> viewings uh, at least towards the NFL and in college, but I just I remember watching Foster coming out of Alabama, and he was unbelievable. Uh, he was literally I don't know. I talk about how bad I think the inside linebacker grouping is in the NFL. I actually think it's the worst position group NFL wide. I, th- I just I think it's terrible. Uh, I thought There's you just, were saying the Steelers inside linebackers is the worst. No, position just group NFL wide. I think I think the absolute yeah. worst position group is off ball linebackers. But there's just not very many good players at that position. But I remember Foster coming out and he's still one of the best players I've ever seen at that at that spot. I mean, he was just incredible, man. He was so good against the run. He was so athletic. He was violent. He could take on blocks. He could stack and shed consistently in the backfield. I mean, he was awesome. It was just never it was never about talent with Ruben Foster. I mean, I've seen some of the clips floating around on Twitter. And, you know, hey, he, he definitely looks like he's still got some pop in his pads. But yeah, um, it's never really been about, you know, talent with Foster. It's just about all the other stuff. You know, can you yeah. keep him on the field? Can you keep him focused and all that stuff? So um, I'm rooting for him. I mean, I, I think, you know, a second chance, you know, if he if he gets that, he might be able to make the most of it. But I, I don't know. I think it's just more about, you know, I don't I definitely believe that Foster can still play. I, I don't even really need to see much more than what I've seen to, to believe that. Yeah. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're taking I mean, a lot of people talk about like, oh, his past. I agree with all that. Like you, there's obviously some red flags that come with this. But at this point in the season, like it's not like Ruben Foster signing like a three million dollar deal. He's coming to Pittsburgh on a vet minimum. This is a tryout. You are not guaranteed a single thing whatsoever for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, are we look, we're looking at a, a, a high risk zero or a high zero risk, high reward signing. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about just like a training camp invite or something like that, I yeah, definitely yeah. don't. Yeah. I don't have. There's no way you can't that. sign this guy to like a guaranteed you're on the roster. You know, like that's, he's in the same boat as Akeem Butler and Luke Barku to just come in here, 
try out, see what I think that's how all the USFL guys are going to be, you know, except for Chris Blewett should be on. I know that you don't watch the USFL, but my man, Chris Blewett. Okay. Pit kicker, Pittsburgh Maulers kicker, probably the best kicker, the football, whatever has seen in so long and still hasn't gotten an, any camp invite, any signing, nothing. He should be a guaranteed lock to some roster somewhere. I don't care what it is. Man was unstoppable in the USFL. Yeah. But anybody who comes in, are you know they're they're a camp invite it's you know it's no big deal and the fit's there so i think if you're yeah. going to take a, a chance on like nick kwiatkowski take a chance on and, and on top of that like you bring seven guys usually to training camp at inside linebacker cole holcomb's already going to be like a half of a player because he's dealing with the or he, he's still coming over the foot injury so they're going to be slow with him you need guys like you can't walk in there with five inside linebackers and say okay guys go compete for five spots have fun. You know, that's just, it just doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't work out like that one. What about this one real quick? Cream hunt. I haven't even seen this. I, I haven't either, but I think cream hunts probably washed guys. I, I don't think y'all need to worry too much about that. I mean, I thought cream hunt was pretty bad last year and what I watched. So I don't, I don't think y'all, I don't think y'all really want cream hunt. If I'm being honest, here it is. Steelers urge to sign NFL rushing champion Kareem hunt. And there's that's the only thing I've seen. I would say that the rumors, maybe the rumors are true that maybe he does want to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are the Pittsburgh Steelers going to sign him? No, I don't I just think that's a yeah. I don't, I don't, easy, I don't think you need need Cream Hunt, man. To be honest, I, I think no. the Steelers are pretty set with Harrison Warren being the one-two. I could see them signing um, a veteran as the RB three. You know, if McFarland or you know, any of these other guys don't really impress in the preseason, but I think they'll probably get the opportunity to do so because you can always, there's always veteran running backs that end up hitting the market kind of late as you go into the regular season. So I think, uh, I think at this point, the running back market is you're going to get everybody, you know, at some point, like there's (laughs) nobody sticking. Like it does. It's a running back. You could just sign any of them for all pros, five bucks, five bucks for anybody. They're literally dollar menu players at this at this point which is you know which is sad and ridiculous but it is what it is i like anthony McFarlane. you think uh if you had to, if you did make a bold prediction do you have a bold prediction for the running backs try to so uh, focus this. Do you think alfonso graham's got a real shot you think darius hagan's got a real shot or you think this is an anthony mcfarland i mean i think they got a shot i mean i think that you know mcfarland's been here a while so his familiarity within the scheme and the system definitely is good um they they know what yeah. type of player he is They've kept him around, at least in a practice squad, you know, version for a little bit now. Um, so he has the upper hand, but I think that McFarland, we can all probably agree that McFarland hasn't necessarily seized the limited opportunities that he's had. Although I did yes. wa- go back and watch the little bit of we that we saw of him last year, you know, in the preseason. And then in that Colts game, I thought he performed pretty well. So, um, but, you know, he's definitely not a lock for that spot, man. Graham's going to push him. Higgins is going to push him. I think it's relatively open, but I think McFarland has the upper hand, you know, entering training camp. We'll see, though. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I like Anthony McFarland, man. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's he's turned into what I hoped he would, but yeah, I like it. Like, he's just got such a good skill set, you know? Like, if he looked, he looked better. I, I did, I put out a video on my channel like a week or two ago, and he, he did look better than I had ever seen him look, at least in a Steelers uniform in that Colts in that Colts game and the Jags game yeah. in the preseason. There's a fine balance at running back between decisiveness and patience. 
And I thought that when he got the rock, he was, you know, he was balanced. And I was impressed by that because one of the other things that one of the things that I've hated about McFarland when I watched him his first two seasons with the Steelers is I know he's incredibly fast, but he didn't play that way because he his vision was really spotty and he just never seemed like extremely confident in himself. Oh, yeah. um, so I think that last year, you know, that was a little bit different. And I, I'm excited to see how he looks um, this summer. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah the vision was. uh yeah, we'll say we'll say off spotty. Spotty would be a nicer word from what it was. But he did come in very raw. I think he's developed nicely. Again, I don't think anything's a lock, but I'm a big Anthony McFarlane guy. Been a big Anthony McFarlane guy. We'll end with this one here. Uh, what about Ezekiel Elliott? You know, <laughs> I will say this. The only, the only thing I'll say about Zeke is someone needs to sign him because he still has value as a short yardage back, and he's really good in pass protection. He's, yeah. he's always been one of the better. Dude, he scored 15 backs. touchdowns last season. 15 yeah. touchdowns. You could find something for him to do if yeah. he, for 15 touchdowns. Not yeah, the, the Steelers, Steelers, the but... Steelers, pro- def- not really the team that I would be pushing no. to sign him, no. but they're def- <laughs> there definitely needs to be, um, you know, he, he can definitely go somewhere. You know, he's, he's still got some skills, even though he's definitely lost probably a step to step and a half from where he was at Ohio state. Um, but that's just what happens, man. Running backs that just, that just don't last very long. Um, I will. Zeke, uh, Zeke was a really good player um, when he came into the league, but once you get past that 12 to 1600 touch mark, it's pretty it's much over. over. Unfortunately, it's over. It's done right there. I was golfing with somebody yesterday. Like I was, I was golfing by myself. They were golfing by us by them. We teamed up. He, he was from Texas. He's a Dallas Cowboys fan. And this guy had nothing good to say about Zeke whatsoever. He <laughs> no, was, Cowboys fans, they like Pollard, man. They, dude, that's they one were, thing I've gathered. He was just like, man, he's been slow for years. They should have never signed him. He's terrible at this. He's terrible. I was just like, wow, man, Zeke must stink. He must be <laughs> terrible. I, just, I didn't know. And, but the that's guy just, was also a huge Dak Prescott fan. That's like, the problem. You know, that's the problem, I feel like, with football conversation is you're either the greatest thing to ever yeah. walk a football field or you're absolutely <laughs> awful i mean there's Damn. no in between there's no context there's no nuance it's just uh that's one thing that just absolutely bugs me about twitter man i hate it that just everybody's got to be so extreme on one way or another and i just and the I golf course and the golf course yeah obviously yeah well, i mean like threads? i said are you on like threads? i said zeke go ahead are you on threads I'm not on threads. No, nah, y'all not going to catch me on threads, man. I'm probably, I'm not going to lie to y'all. If it, I don't know how much more social media y'all are going to get Dude, out of Twitter me. drops, we're done. It's over. Catches everything on all Steelers talk and. Yeah. I mean, if Twitter, if Twitter D. drops, like for real, for real drops, I mean, I guess I may try to go somewhere else, but I just, I don't know. I don't really spend nearly as much time on social media these days, I guess just because I'm so busy working but it's good for you i don't know i'm excited for i'm happy for you but what were you saying about zeke before we head out here no i just i just think in general like it's just what i was talking about it's got to be one way or another you're either great or you're terrible and zeke definitely has his flaws i mean there is no burst left in those legs but no there's still value in you know keeping a quarterback upright and there's still value in you know punching stuff in at the goal line so i'm not saying you go give him five million dollars or something like that next year but if he Nobody's wants to play for a couple, five million dollars yeah i mean if he wants to go play for a couple million and you know back up and maybe mentor a young running back or something like that i think that that would be a good thing for him 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. I like Zeke. The guy on the golf course did not. The guy, the guys in the comments do not. So, you know, we might be the only two Zeke supporters left on the planet. One but. of the funny things, one of the funny things I do see on social media, though, is every offseason, Zeke does these like workout videos and yeah. <laughs> and the comments are always or the uh, the titles are always Zeke's looking leaner and faster. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> he looks the same every year, except he loses <laughs> a third of a step. And you yeah, guys it's like say ben. this. It's, yeah, it's like the Ben every offseason. Yeah, Ben's in the best shape of his life. It's like, dude, he looks exactly the same as he everyone's the last always 10 years. in the best shape of their life. <laughs> I know Kenny Pickett was fat. Najee Harris's quads were the size of watermelons. You know, it's every year, man. You t- it's it's all about them angles. It's all about. I'm gonna start dropping. I think we should start dropping all Steelers talk pictures every single year at the beginning like right in the beginning of may we'll drop we'll drop progress reports yeah i'll be like man dude they're looking good look at best shape of our lives over here let me tell you easy we gotta do that (laughs) (laughs) all right with that we're heading out of here guys thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of all steelers talk make sure to subscribe to us on youtube youtube.com slash all steelers talk or check us out anywhere you get your podcast like this video and find all of mine and Derek's work at allsteelers.com. Derek's got a wide receiver overview dropping this weekend on top of four reasons that uh, the Steelers defense might not work out that dropped this morning. Go check both of those guys out. I will be back on Monday with Steven. Enjoy a beautiful weekend in the Berg.